Hey, welcome to the After Now podcast with Tim and George. Give us a listen. What do you have to lose? Because let's be honest, you've wasted time on sketchier stuff than this before. Hey, Tim. Hey, George. So, did you hear about the security breach in heaven? No, I did not. So, there was this real famous cyber criminal. You know, the guy that was the Nigerian prince that fooled everybody? Mm-hmm. Well, he died. But he got into heaven. Know how? How? They hadn't changed a password in 2,000 years. Oh. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what our topic is today. Uh, it, it is uh, it is cybersecurity, but the reason it's cybersecurity is because there are some huge cybersecurity events going on as we speak. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna delve into this. It might seem a little geeky, but what we're going to do is we're also going to talk about how it affects the average person as well. Okay, so we're going to get into the bigger scope of things and then also come down to to see how it affects you. No clickety clickety in email. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like it. Yeah, stay off those dirty sites, you degenerates. I like the dirty sites. Well, that's fine. Just go to the right dirty sites. There we go. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Hey, 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 Tim. Yeah. Have you heard about the chocolate record player? Two jokes in one episode. This is a bonus. This is bonus material right here. I did not. <laughs> It sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, George is a dad. These are George, these are dad jokes. He's a father. He's got I am. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure his his kids roll their eyes just as much as I do sometimes. <laughs> hey, hey Tim. <laughs> hey George. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? I don't know. This is going to be interesting. I have no idea what. Supplies. On to cybersecurity. Okay, cyber. <laughs> what do we do? This? <laughs> all right. So um, to tee it up, first of all, I think it, it's really important because Tim's a very modest guy. Um, Tim is actually an expert in this field. It's not something he dabbles in. It's not something he's read up on. This is what Tim does. So when a guy like Tim says that stuff is going down, stuff is going down. I, I need to put that in the proper context because you'll hear a lot of, a lot of times people write articles and they have no idea what they're talking about. 
Tim knows what he's talking about. And and your dog in the background knows what he's talking about yeah. too. Yeah, well, he's scared. Yeah, you hear yeah I know. I'm right, Mav. I know. But you know what? Tim's going to take care of us, Mav. Tim's going to tell us how to stay safe. Yeah, it's okay, buddy. It's we we, okay. we might end cap this this uh, this this episode with a uh, a dog story about a button that he uses, and and uh, it, I think it's pretty funny. So <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Uh, thanks, oh, George. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate that yeah. tee up. That was good. No, but that's true. Yeah, I mean, no, I appreciate that. right? You, you don't. This isn't a hobby for you. Cybersecurity no, is yeah. not a hobby for you. Right. No, we we have conversations all day about this. I work. Uh, I do consult in this space. Um. So yeah, you're right. You're right. This is something, you know, um, that's a little bit more near and dear to my my heart and um, and my st- my limited stack of knowledge. Let's put it that way. No, please. <laughs> We've got stories that we really can't tell you, but uh, just know that um, Tim is very skilled. Uh, and so the context of, of why we're talking about this now, this is always a fascinating subject, but the reason why we're talking about this now um, is has been fueled by what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, that's true. So I'll let you take it from there, Tim. No, I, I I think you're absolutely right. We have observed an increased volume, you know, of of, you know, cybersecurity activity due to the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, you know, malware has become weaponized, um, and you know, the tools that what we call bad actors, people who, you know, um, try to hack into networks. You know, a lot of people call call them hackers. You know, in this in the cybersecurity industry um the more formal name for them is bad actors and and these people you know they're 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 suspected of really weaponizing you know what we know of as as malware these guys have taken and rewritten and written better malware better security tools um to essentially inflict cyber warfare on one another between the ukraine and and russia and what we're concerned about is that getting released into the wild and and just as a frame of reference, again, both Russia and the Ukraine have some really, really talented people in this space. Yeah, we should not underestimate what the Ukrainians have, and we should not underestimate. I don't think anybody underestimates the Russians. They're, you know, they're they're very good within the space, but the Ukrainians are are right there with them. So. If anybody's going to inflict inflict what we call, you know, what we consider to be maximum damage, it's going to be those two, you know, government entities, you know, state sponsored hacking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I know a lot of people myself. um, A lot of companies are are putting warnings out to their employees. Don't open, you know, be very careful of what you open up um, and they're patching their machines a lot <laughs> um, and, and don't know if that's going to be enough, but uh, you know, Tim, Tim will get into why this is so, why this is scarier than normal. Yeah, it's, well, it's scarier than normal just because of what we just said. There's, there are things, there are tools, there are, there's malware uh, that's, you know, essentially, and I know this term is sometimes overused, and and we've used it a couple of times on, 
on on this podcast already where we consider it to be weaponized, right? So they're going to take malware. They're going to take what we call persistent malware, stuff that's already been installed, and um, they're going to look for backdoors, and and they're going to they're going to uh, you know find the way in. So what we're really concerned about is you know while individual companies may be at an increased risk, we're really we're really concerned concerned about the collateral damage, right? In 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 attacks against infrastructure, um, yeah. And, and and can I can yeah. I just back you up just yeah. for for some of the folks here that that aren't as that uh, have been outside in the last six years, <laughs> so that aren't as geeky as us. There we go. Um, can you explain like what um, malware is? What's a virus? Um, what what is the end goal? of these bad actors and so and just so for our listening audience if you want to sound cool so there's black hats which are the bad guys and they're white hats and they're the ones that are trying to keep companies and people from all this bad stuff right so tim's a white hat right he's the he's he's the lone ranger guy trying to keep the bad guys from taking over the town. Oof, that's a tall order. I'm, I'm uh, insignificant in the overall scheme of things, but uh, I do, you know, I, I, we consult, we work with companies. Yeah, for, for sure. And uh, you know, what we, when we have these conversations with individuals or with companies, you know, we talk about really four or five different types of, you know, cyber attacks, right? So there's, there's the phishing attack, you know, that's a type of cyber attack that, you know, involves sending a fraudulent message, you know, in, in the attempt to, you know, get a recipient to provide sensitive information. So like, like if I wanted to get your passwords, I would trick you into, I would send you an email and I would pretend I'm your IT department and I try to get you to change your password. And instead of changing your password, you know, because in order to change your password, you have to enter your your real password and then change your password. Uh, those are the types of things where I try to capture your password credentials. Um, so that's really just and, and, tricky. And, and a lot of times they do it. And so. Oh, yeah. And, and it's easy. Oh, I would never do that. Oh, you know what? They used your company logo. Um, they know your email address format. Um these guys are are IT guys, so they know the questions to ask. It it ha- I mean, it happens all the time. Uh, we we I had a um, a very good friend of mine, uh, and obviously I'm not going to give the company name out, but uh, I had a very good friend of mine who asked me for some assistance last week. <clears throat> they had a uh, a situation where a user of theirs received an email. It was an email from Microsoft O365, or at least it seemed like it was from O365. Uh, and his specific company is using O365 for email. And um, it had their logo on there. And uh, basically, it asked a user to, you know, change or update their, their security credentials. Um, and when we looked closer at the email... Um, we saw that it was actually a forged uh, email, a fraudulent message that was originating from um, 
the the South Caribbean, I believe it was uh, out of that region. Oh yeah. And the way we were able to figure it out is, um, um, in the background, there was just, uh, some, some code that was really talking to, you know, servers that shouldn't have been, let's, let's put it that way, but they, they had screen scraped or mimicked the look of O three sixty five. Um, because this is, was a corporation or a company, they had grabbed the logo that they've customized that uh, 0365 experience. Um, none of it was really Microsoft related, um, but they, they, they basically were just trying to grab those credentials. So that's, that's an example of a phishing attack. And, and we identified where they were coming from and, and we blocked them uh, and did what we needed to do to you know, protect the network. But that, that is a very good example of a phishing attack. Um, the second and, and and if if you if someone does click on a link from a phishing email or something like that, what can they do? Uh, contact their information technology department immediately. Um, that's the best thing they can do. They can't do anything after they've clicked it. Um, really, you need to really uh, look uh, into and be aware of what you're clicking on before you do it. You need to be aware. Hey, is this really coming from my company? Is this really coming from my IT department? Um, make sure that you know it's legit. And if you're not sure, don't click on it. Pick up a phone and call somebody. I'll guarantee you, your IT department at your company will love you if you do that. Yeah, and so the other thing to realize is because sometimes they make it look like it comes from your company, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's like, hey, you want a hundred dollar Amazon card right, or something right. like that. Yeah, right. Uh, don't. It's a work computer. If it's a work computer, if it's a home computer, yeah, don't. It's not worth it. it it's just not worth it. So, no, it's not worth so, it. So, with the phishing is a way to try to get you to open yourself up. Yeah, exactly. And you know, with that comes malware, right? So, malware uh, involves using viruses or spyware. Or other kinds of malicious software to steal information. So if they if they get past and they're able to gain access to a network, you know they could uh, implant or deploy you know malware into an environment like a network, and um, that that malware could communicate back. We call it command and control. So it will communicate back to its servers and it will start doing things. Um, the, you know, there are different kinds of malware, um, but, you know, what that can ultimately turn into is, you know, malware could detonate within a network uh, and or activate and it could turn into ransomware. This is where data is stolen and not uh, released, you know, until someone, you know, pays ransom. So they'll go and encrypt entire drives, network uh, volumes terabytes and terabytes of data depending on the size of the company and you know um they will not give that data back unless um you know they pay a ransom and sometimes those ransoms can be you know fifty thousand a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars you know the more data the more they're going to ask for payment and to tell you how prevalent and how organized these people are um, there are lots of stories, and most of them don't get reported, of companies that have had, uh, that have gotten this, right? With 
where where the ransomware goes off and <clears throat> it locks their files it encrypts it absolutely and so what happens is in general there'll be a message that says if you want your data back call this number and they start a timer okay now to th- if you guys think that these guys are little rinky dink guys in their parents uh basement you're wrong some of these organizations are so well organized they actually have call centers so that at first you someone will call up and say oh my gosh what's going on and they'll say well it's uh we've locked all your files and it's going to be x number of dollars and you've got three days to pay it otherwise all those files go poof and they're like oh my gosh oh my gosh and what the call center will say is, talk to your people. Here's the 800 number. Call us back. I mean, this is this is like business. Right. Oh, absolutely. And there's, you know, a, a pretty large ransomware group uh, that's been making headlines lately. Uh, Lapis is the name of them. Um, and they've been credited for, you know, maybe... Maybe not necessarily encrypting data and, uh, you know, uh, issuing a ransom on that data, but they've been they've been credited for you know hitting Ubisoft, which they're uh, if you don't know who Ubisoft is, they're a French video game company. Um, Assassin's Creed, uh, they do Assassin's Creed, they do Far Cry. Um, on March 11th, uh, Ubisoft reported a breach, uh, and. You know, um, they they didn't really go into what had happened. It's, they said that it affected numerous games, functions, and services, and their internal systems. Um, but they didn't really go into if there was really a uh, a ransom, you know, issued and ransom paid. I know that that very same mm-hmm. group uh, hit Nvidia and Samsung as well. Hmm. And um, they could they could wipe out years of data, so. Think of, they could hit email servers, they could hit your corporate servers, they could hit um, uh, any, any kind of system you could imagine. Uh, manufacturing systems, health systems, they, they could go into hospitals and shut down, you know, all the system, their life support stuff and uh, energy companies and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's that's no lie. There was actually an advisory, and uh, the name escapes me right now, but, um, you know, what we call IoT or Internet of Things, these are devices that, you know, are, you know, tertiary devices that sit out on the network. Some of them could be, you know, thermostats. Some of them could be more critical than thermostats, like, you know, uh, blood, you know, pump, pumps to ensure circulation for blood in medical devices. Um, maybe even, you know, um, art, you know, uh, machines to keep people alive. You know, um, those types of things. And there was an advisory that was put out um, over the last couple of weeks, where a company that builds these types of machines had a had an issue within their code, and there was a vulnerability. Um, and that was that was rather scary because that was that was specifically um, identified and kind of uh, you know really affecting the med- medical healthcare side. And you know when you're when you're dealing with machines that that deal with keeping people alive, that's just something you don't want to mess around with, obviously. But there was a security advisory put out for that. Um, I'm not going to go into who it was or what it was, but uh, 
Um, it was pretty scary reading stuff like that. And so here's the, the, the cool geeky part. So, so Tim, if, if there's a suspected piece of malware, um, can you describe like putting it in the sandbox and seeing what it does and how you do that? Yeah. So, you know, that's exactly what it is. We have an environment. It is called a sandbox. And um, what we could do is we can replicate um, the conditions in which the, the malware will what we call detonate or, you know, activate. Um, we can watch it, it would be in a very secure, very controlled part of our network. Um, we can watch and see what it does. Usually what it will do is it will execute. It will run in a system memory. It will try to go and communicate, you know, whether it be Windows system memory, whether it be a Mac OS system memory or Internet of Things, a device, its system memory. It will go and try to, you know, communicate with its command and control wherever. Um, I, you know, ideally we would be able to identify the two-way communication and we would understand where the command and control is. And big security vendors um, will go and actually build block lists for firewalls, for security infrastructure around the internet that blocks malware from actually communicating to command and control. That's one of the ways that we mitigate uh, malware from actually detonating or actually being you know, controllable is we can block its ability to talk to its command and control. And if we see something, you know, in memory or running in memory, we can actually um, uh, terminate that that executable, isolate it, remove it, and um, what we call remediation, we could remediate it. So therefore, it wouldn't run, it wouldn't be a danger on a system anymore. And to show you how fast this stuff moves um and correct me if i'm wrong tim but aren't there appliances or part of routers or whatever that have artificial intelligence built in so that like in real time if they detect something they autom they start blocking it immediately faster so that they don't even need a person to intervene yeah so there's a couple of different systems uh, or a couple of different methods to mitigating these types of attacks i mean and you know the more sophisticated the attacks are the more sophisticated we have to be at remediating these attacks so what you'll have is situations where um you know the ransomware will go out talk to command and control we'll block it right but there are other systems where in, in commanding I'm, I'm sorry in command and control means so something gets think of something getting like hatched in your system mm-hmm and behind the scenes, it starts communicating with another machine. Out on the web. And it's got instructions for it. Yep, absolutely. But there's also... And it, and it could sit there It could sit there for months without doing anything. Correct. And then when your, your guard's down or whatever, uh, it could, even on a date, it could just start communicating back to the mothership. Yep, that would be a zero day or that would be... Something like, um, you know, uh, a, a piece of malware that was embedded on a system and, you know, it, on a, like you said, on a certain date will go and say, all right, it's time to start up and I'm going to go do my thing. And no, no one patched this computer, so um, I still am able to do things. And, you know, th- that's scary because, you know, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The other the other part of this, obviously, is, you know, so we, we can go and block that command and control, but we've gotten more sophisticated as well. And so um, there, there are now ways to look at malware in what we call the execution chain. So instead of waiting for something to happen um, uh, and, and waiting for communication to occur over a network, we would fingerprint or we would uh, look at a device. Uh, a lot of times that, that process is called fingerprinting or, um, you know, uh, or we would baseline a computer or server or whatever, whatever that device is. And if that device has a baseline, has a fingerprint, we know how it normally works under normal circumstances. You know, we know what it does when it boots up. We know what it does when it shuts down. We know what it does when little Johnny or or uh, little Kathy goes onto the internet and does her homework and all that stuff. But when something executes or launches on that device, that kind of sits outside the norms. Um we are able to stop the malware in the ex in what we do is it's called an execution chain uh, remediation where we know something is deviated from the norm and we go into the system memory we go into the normal operation of that device um, this all happens within seconds microseconds in fact um, and um, you can remediate that through software um, and that's because there's always an agent running in the background that's looking for events that would trigger that would be outside that norm, outside that fingerprint. So if you were to guess on a percentage of companies that use that kind of technology for remediation, what would you guess? Oof, um, a lot less than I, I, I would hope that would be out there. You know, I will say this, um, you know, you ask a lot of people out there, um, a lot of organizations, a lot of a lot of my peers, the number sits between nine and 14 percent of overall IT budget should be uh, committed to cybersecurity. Um, wow. Yeah, cybersecurity in 2019 spending in cybersecurity in the industry was around 40 billion. Um, the forecasting shows that 60 billion plus will be spent by the end of 2021. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and this and what's going on now is probably going to tip that even further. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and to take it past 2021, you know, um, there are a lot of uh, trade magazines and, you know, electronic trade magazines and industry um, reporters out there and, and people within the industry who track money around cybersecurity, they think that, you know, by 2025, we'll breach about a trillion dollars in, in cybersecurity spend for large organizations. So we've gone from 40 billion in 2019 to 60 plus billion in 2021 to really, uh, you know, possibly a trillion dollars in 2025. And that's, that's because it's exponentially getting worse, you know? Um, you know, in 2021, ransomware attacks against businesses um, occur every 11 seconds. <laughs> and most of these don't get reported. They, we would hope that they would get reported. Um, but, 
And there are a lot of states now within the United States, you know, Canada, also a lot of Providence, provinces in Canada have uh, different laws, but most of them, you know, um, play to the, you have to, you know, if, if, if customer information it has been, you know, um, leaked to a hacking group or they got uh, private information, it has to be disclosed one way or another. And every state in the United States has slightly different laws to this. Um, there are resources out on the internet that you can refer to to get that information. Um, obviously, every state's going to be different. Um, but, you know, all in all, um, there, there, there are laws now that are starting to really creep up into and to the ethos that, uh, you know, really talk to, hey, we really need to start reporting this. We really need to understand, you know, the severity of this, you know, and the reason why is <laughs> on average organizations pay a ransom of about $230,000, you know, that's wow. large organizations, that's small organizations, <clears throat> but we're not even talking about the total cost of reme remediating ransomware, you know, um, to, to the actual remediation, right? We're not even talking about paying the ransom, but remediating it, meaning getting backups, your IT spend in trying to restore those backups, uh, clog the holes, identify where the breach occurred in the first place. You know, all of those, all of those um, actions taken by an organization could creep upwards to about 700K. Wow. Yeah. Again, that's an average small, medium, large company. That's a, a slice of all organizations across the board. What and what scared me about it was if I wanted to get into the ransomware business, my initial thought was, oh, well, I'd have to find these, you know, brilliant people and uh, find a way to do this. And, you know, your average person you know, or country, bad actor country is going to have a hard time doing it. I found out you can buy some of this code in the, on the dark web. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I don't even think you need to go to the dark web anymore to be able to, to be able to purchase it. I mean, straight up, there are, there are areas within the normal internet where um, the non-dark web parts of the internet where you can go and uh, you know, if you know where to find it, you can go and, you know, and, and even you can capture, you can capture malware. And if you know what you're doing, rewrite it yourself, um, you know, and, and manipulate it. So, you know, I don't want to get too far into that. But yeah, it's, it's easier than what's generally known. And that's, that's the ransomware piece. Um, you know, so we talked about phishing, we talked about malware, we talked about ransomware, which, you know, it has really got the, um, uh, uh, you know, got the attention of the media right now, but there's also denial of services attack and distributed denial of services attack. And this is a very different type of attack because what it does is it essentially takes over many machines or it can, uh, a virus can take over many machines on the internet. A lot of these machines these days are becoming those, again, I'll refer back to the internet of things or IOT devices. Um, and they'll turn them into zombies and then what will happen is when the command and control says, all right, go attack one network, they'll go and attack one network, and they'll flood this network full of all this traffic, and they'll essentially take it down, which is why it's called a distributed denial services attack. And that could be like your home PC, too. It could be your home PC. What's even more scarier is it could be your Nest device. I'm not saying there was any vulnerability on Nest devices, but it could be a device like a Nest 
uh, or a thermostat, Alexa or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, you know it. Uh, you know, and they they could take it and they could, you know, <laughs> manipulate the code on there and use it to. And that's why you know uh, more advanced technology AI is really helping in these areas now. And you know, a lot of people overuse the term AI, but it's really yeah. it's really starting to um, really help um, kind of offset. And, and even the playing field a little. So if you can go and fingerprint, let's say, a device like um, a Nest uh, or like a uh, thermostat. Let's not let's not pick on Nest, but because Google's, <laughs> I, I, I got to say, out of all the security teams on the Internet, you know, Apple, Google, you know, Akamai, those companies, um, uh, Cloudflare, those companies are are really good at security, and they're they're the cream of the crop. They got really they've cultivated very good talent within their organization, and you know obviously they they know what they're doing, right? So let's let's not pick on uh, uh, Google, but let's just say a device that would be an IoT device, like you know whether it be a a refrigerator temperature sensor. I know, right? Just off the cuff, weird stuff. <laughs> or, or, but if it's if it's connected to Wi-Fi or connected to the internet, and it's got an IP address on there, it's vulnerable. Um, or, or you know, like a CNC uh, machine, or uh, you know, a you know, a, a digital saw, anything for moving, you know, robotics around in 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 a warehouse. Those things are all IoT, right? And mm-hmm. you know, if you can go and manipulate the code and you can you know break in and um you know use those devices for evil um those could be used to not only attack other um distant networks but those can also be used to gain backdoor entry into the networks they sit on okay so these things are the situations we're talking about are something that's been going on for a while and they they were scary before. Now it's being supercharged because there's a concern with all these new pieces of bad guy software that's being written by both Ukraine and Russia. But there's also other groups that are jumping in on both sides. Absolutely. Um, and they're attacking NATO and they're attacking uh, different things and and um hackers got into like the tv station started flashing messages on the tv aside from the lady that did it um which but, was very courageous on her part i can't believe absolutely i don't yeah she she uh yeah she was in court today <laughs> I, I, I saw that yeah but yeah uh, but but uh so the fear is because there's all this hyperactivity um that it's just known that this is um that the level of of uh the command and control or what have you that that's being trying to be achieved here uh, as you said if it gets out into the wild could cause like damage we haven't seen yet before yeah you know certain types of cyber crimes certain types of of um bad traffic um, are experienced uh, or, or experienced rapid surges during times like this. Um, and that's just the nature of the game, right? You have, um, you know, two sides, two opposing sides that are really, 
trying to uh, one-up each other, uh, trying to really destroy each other's infrastructure or cause maximum uh, infliction of, of damage. Uh, you know, if you could take out trains, if you could take out communications and do it with really advanced malware, odds are at some point that malware is going to get out into the, what we call the wild and it's going to filter mm -hmm. down and... It, you know, that's what we call collateral damage. Once it starts getting into the mainstream and that really advanced software starts getting into the hands of amateurs, you know, the script kiddies, you know, I, I you know, that's that's <laughs> something to be really scared of. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, they have no idea what kind of power they're yielding. Yeah. You know, and we're not we're talking about a regional conflict, which is <laughs> I hope it stays regional and I hope they find a way of re rectifying it. But it doesn't seem like it's staying regional. It seems like it's growing. But we can go back to the pandemic. You know, ransomware attacks grew by more than 40 percent during the pandemic. Wow. So we're talking about situations where a regional conflict would come up and you would see a flare up in activity. Um, you would see a global pandemic occur and they're going to shift their, what we call attack vectors, um, to really, uh, you know, um, go after, you know, what, what is, you know, uh, occurring in the world. And, and that's, that's, that's really scary is when the threat vectors change, um, you have to be on top of that. You really have to understand what's going on there. And this is really, well, if not the first time, but the um, probably probably the the two um, the two most able um, countries going at cyber warfare at this level that we've ever seen to this point. I mean, the countries are always doing it, but for two countries that have are really good at it to go at it with this ferocity i don't know that we've ever seen before yeah this is a little bit of a different situation and i don't think it should be um um underestimated what's going to come out of this um i i don't think the media is um and i think for the first time in a long time the media in some cases both sides the conservative media and the liberal media is kind of reporting on this specific um you know uh topic pretty accurately um you know they're they're really you know i don't think there's if 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 you think it sounds scary it's it's actually a lot more scary than what it is um you know in in 2020 and, and again some of the numbers are skewed right because of the pandemic but back in 2020 uh you know we were you know ibm did a report and they you know financial and insurance institutions you know of the top five hit right you know uh verticals is finance and insurance was number one that was about 23 percent manufacturing 17 percent energy 11 retail and professional services that was uh, about 10 percent and eight percent respectively so you know those numbers are skewing though and you know you really can't rely on those old numbers or older numbers we can kind of look back and say okay that's where we were but the landscape is is aggressively changing and it's aggressively changing because the pandemic in some cases is ending in certain parts of the world. And in some cases it's flaring back up again in other parts of the world. And now we have a war to contend with. And all of those things really play into the whole, you know, what the, the cyberscape looks like. 
Well, and you know it's bad when, uh, and I let Tim know about this, when uh, when the Wall Street shows are getting kind of excited going, hey, it's like the end of the cyber world, but we think that this stock that's in cybersecurity is really going to do well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, oh, it, it's, it's all over the place. Um, you know, I was... I was watching, uh, I've been, I've been peeled to the news um, and, you know, they're trying to report on it, but we, you know, what they're reporting on is, you know, the, uh, the, the large events that are going on. I mean, the stock markets and, you know, the, the, the markets in general just cannot keep up with the news influx uh, with the war going on and all with, with, with different vulnerabilities being, uh, you know, you know, emerging within different areas. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, last week, and I'm I'm reporting on some older. Uh, you know, I'm not reporting on stuff that's coming out this week because, you know, it's it's still too new, ironically. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, uh, last week alone, uh, vulnerabilities and, you know, um, in Linux kernels, for example, Google. You know, so there was, there was a there was a vulnerability in Linux kernels that can allow for, you know, uh, people to overwrite what was traditionally thought to be read-only files. Um, you and, sit there and and you Linux, say, Linux Linux is an operating system, and the kernel is kind of the core backbone of the language. Yeah. Well. So, so Linux, you know, Windows, you run Windows on your computers, right? Uh, Linux is used. To run systems for large companies, for large service providers, um, you know, it's it's open. What we call open source, which is rapidly coming to be closed at this point, <laughs> and I joke about that. But I mean, it 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 really is. You know, we we found vulnerabilities in the Linux kernel, um, and these were these were situations where read-only files should not have been able to have been written to. Um, Multiple vulnerabilities in Google Android OSs, Pixel phones, Pixel devices, I should wow. say. Um, again, remote code execution issues, right? Uh, the final set of advisories was, you know, in Microsoft products that could allow for, you know, again, remote code execution. Um, Zero-day vulnerabilities were identified. And if you've if you've ever bought um, a APC or a um, UPS, a backup... Oh, yeah power supply apc or schneider electric they're they're a big brand in that space um there, there's there's been some issues uh with that company in particular uh again we we consider their devices more along the lines of the iot security uh, uh side of it right that they're they're um... yeah and, and honestly the people that buy it and so um most people if if you go into one of these big box stores you know, and you're looking for a backup power supply that'll power your computer if the right. power goes out for an right. extra hour. You don't realize it, but that's a smart device that has chips in it. It does. And most people think it, you know, in the old days, it used to be just a little battery, like a motorcycle battery or whatever. Right. Um, but now it's smart. And those, and what Tim's saying is there's a vulnerability in the battery pack that could be taken over. Yeah, you know, and and to be fair, um, these were in the larger uh, APC models, um, but we're we're still talking twenty million devices suspected to be affected. Twenty million. That's nuts. Yeah, it is. So, you know, if it like you said, if it could talk to the internet, 
and it's got a chip in it and it's got an IP address, um, it it could be um, it could be uh, you know turned turned or or uh, hacked or you know um, unfortunately uh, some bad things can come out of it if if people don't do their due diligence and write code cleaner. So now that we've scared the poop out of everybody, <laughs> um, I have a couple of questions. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and this is from my number one fan, my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a number one rule for casual computer users for keeping their computer safe? Yeah, you know, I mean, we've really talked business computing in the majority of this this conversation, right? We really haven't talked yep. the normal user. Yep. Um, first off, if you go and buy a computer from any big chain or whatnot, um, you, what you want to do is, you know, you want to set up a username and password on it. Um, and you don't want to leave it so it doesn't have a username and password on it. You want to make sure that when you log into Windows, it's either a thumbprint, biometrics, or there's a password on it. Um, all of your passwords, every single one of your passwords, the passwords you use to pay your Best Buy bill, to pay your electric bill, your gas, your water bills, all of those passwords should never be stored. Well, first off, they should never be written down. And secondly, they should never be stored digitally on your computer. You should go and get a piece of software that organizes your passwords and that's in a digital vault. You know, LastPass is a good example of a company who makes software. Um, you know, there's there's numerous free software out on the internet that you can use. Um, you know, you pay for it, it's gonna have better uh, it's gonna have better features and functionality. And I would I would say the nine ninety nine uh, per year or, you know, whatever it costs, uh, to invest in a piece of software like that, uh, you'd be well, um, it'd be, it would be a good idea to use it. And the reason why is you can store multiple passwords on that password management software. And, you know, that password management software does a lot more than just store your passwords. It also checks to see if that password under normal circumstances, if they're a big company, um, they'll check to see if that password's you know, a prevalent on hacking databases, databases mm. that are out there that other, you know, known, you know, is it a known password that, hey, you know, this this is a password. That if, if people says, I love my puppy and, you know, all the A's in that, uh, that password or whatnot are at signs, it may not be, you know, uh, a, a very good password to use, right? Um so and and it'll also free up room on the back of your keyboard that you currently have your passwords on that post-it note. Absolutely. And you know that post-it note gets nasty and yellow anyway, yeah. and you know, you don't want to use that. So use a password management software. It it's going to go a long way for you. Um okay. you know, uh use a very good um malware detection software, you know, um I would recommend Malwarebytes, um, you know, uh, th but there there are many out there. Use something. Um, Malwarebytes is my favorite um, just because they seem to be, you know, I, I'm not getting paid for this. There's there's no royalties that are going into my bank account. Um, but, you know, it's just. But, through, through but if, if Malwarebytes would like to. Absolutely. To, if Malwarebytes would like to sponsor 
the Into the After Now podcast, we'd be more than happy to talk to them. Absolutely. Uh, no, but you know, what I found is, um, you know, th- this is a company that's, that does a lot of deep research, um, you know, as, as has many other companies out there. You know, there was a company out there uh, as of a couple of years back called Silence. Um, they were more for corporate, um, you know, malware detection, and they were really ahead of their time. Believe it or not, they they got bought by BlackBerry. Um, and BlackBerry, wow. is, yeah, BlackBerry's become, people are like, BlackBerry, you mean the company that used to make the phones with the keyboards on them? Yeah, they've become a really big security vendor in the mobile space. Yes, and, and uh, that's pretty much all that survives of them. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just mentioning some companies out there um, just to give you an idea of where to look, um, you know, get good malware detection get good uh, password management, all of that, um, you know, would be very, uh, you know, would be a very good idea. Now, the other thing that I would recommend is get a hard drive, get an external hard drive, plug that external hard drive in. And, you know, if you're a Mac user, um, go and uh, use Time Machine, just set it up and uh, use Time Machine and back up your Macs. If you're a Windows user, go use the multitude of software packages that are available out to there the 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 back up your 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 hard drive regularly. Don't back it up once and then throw it in a drawer because that's not going to do you any good. Right. And I would really actually discourage people from using software like uh, Microsoft's uh, you know any remote drive software. Uh, so whether it be Microsoft's mm. or or anything else, because that that actually gets people into like kind of a lazy mode. They think it's up there. They think it's safe. They think that it will never get touched. You know, there's just no guarantees of that. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, OneDrive or products like OneDrive are bad products. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that it gets people into a mode of kind of laziness, to be honest with you. If you have your data on your computer and you do regular backups, you know, unless you need to get access to it on the cloud. Um, but let's just be honest. Uh, if you're on a, your computer, you know, it's all about work habits. And yeah. so, you know, um, back up your computer as much as you can. If you've got to use something like a, a OneDrive or, you know, a technology like that, then just remember your copies of software are up there and they may not be subject to the backups that you're doing on your computer locally. So you always make sure that you got an extra copy of that. And that's, and that honestly is the best protection against malware, because if you do get like a ransomware attack where people are like, oh, I've got all your pictures are locked and you're never going to see them again. Well, if you got a copy on an external hard drive, you just tell them to go pound sand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the last piece this is probably obvious to everybody. Probably um, uh, the most easiest thing that you can do, patch your computer often. If there's a security advisory that comes out from Microsoft, you know, and you're running Windows 11 or you're still on Windows 10, you know, patch that as quickly as possible. If you're using, you know, uh, products across the spectrum like Adobe, like, um, you know, whatever it is you use, make sure you download and, and install and deploy those those security patches as soon as possible. And I'm going to do a special shout out to the Apple people. You know, I, 
it, there's just been some laziness in in the Apple realm. People think because you're on a Mac, you're not susceptible to the malware. We we'd like to all think, and I'm an I'm a heavy Apple user, um, but there's malware out there, and it's becoming more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're not as safe as you think you are. Install the security patches. Uh, follow the guidance laid out by Apple. Um, you know, and and you'll be you'll be safer if you do those steps. Uh, malware detection on both Windows and Mac. Um, you know, that's virus protection, malware detection. Make sure you've got a password management um, uh, software. All your passwords are saved there. You know, it's kind of a good thing, too. If you have password management that runs on your computer, that usually they'll give you a free copy of that software that will run on your iPad or uh, Android device. Um, and you can synchronize your passwords between your devices. So if you ever need them and you're on the mm-hmm. go, you have them there handy. Now, uh, Tim, a Chromebook, since that's really just running very, very little software and everything's pretty much browser-based, are those any less susceptible? You know, again, we're getting back into the, um, you know, the people who drink the apple juice, and sometimes I'm like that as well. You know, um, <laughs> you know, well, you know, Chrome people who are on Chrome are going to get that false sense of security. Um, you know, and if I'm... If I'm a bad actor, that's who I'm going after. I'm going after those people who have that false sense of security because oh. you're going to be less likely to patch or apply those security patches. Yeah. And, you know, I would I would recommend, no, stay just as vigilant, um, stay on top of it, and you'll be okay. You know, lastly, um, if we're talking about good technology hygiene, don't go to websites that you don't know about you know don't 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 go to places that you know use google use bing use yahoo use your search engines but you know <laughs> you know it would remember the more sketchy you you go the more sketchy the website the more likelihood the higher likelihood that you're that those websites will be compromised that they may be infected and you know you might be able to get something from those websites and even though they're they may be more fun, it's <laughs> it's not worth it. Um, it's not worth it. You know, um, some things to consider. Um, if you want to go a step farther, um, and this is just for some of the more technical people out there, um, deploy uh, you know a firewall or a device on your network that makes use of um, you know third party security. Um, you know, talk to your your internet service provider and um you know they may have solutions for you out there um you know a lot of times now there will be routers and devices that you can get from um cox or comcast or at&t you know i'm talking north america right but you know uh globally um your local you know internet service provider believe it or not they may have software enabled or that could be enabled in the in your routers that are on or at your homes that could really um you know make a difference a lot of those devices yeah a lot of those devices might have what we call in intrusion detection intrusion prevention systems ids ips a lot of those uh or sometimes service providers out there uh, will have functionality where <clears throat> they may be in the game ex- of extending Wi-Fi in the home and maybe the vendors that they've partnered with um, or um, the technology suite that they have um, will have intrusion detection and intrusion prevention built into 
um, the suite of hardware and software products that they provide, it doesn't hurt to ask. So, is there any way? So, if we read, if you're reading an article and there's a link, is there any way that you're going to know whether that link is safe or not? You know, um, I'd say if you've got good enough security, uh, you know, if you've taken the steps that I've talked about, right, and mm-hmm. you've you've you know gone the hundred percent of everything that we've discussed on this. Mm-hmm during this discussion you're going to be pretty safe um you're more than likely some software out there whether it be um um you know browser security that was enabled uh, on behalf of you, you because of apple's deployed something or some security suite that you've purchased um you know, by way of, uh, you know, malware bytes or, you know, there'll be a plugin or there'll be something that kind of blocks you from being able to get to something that's really bad. Um, okay. I would, or at least I would hope so. Um, but at the end of the day, no, um, <laughs> you go to, you go to reputable mm-hmm. sites and odds are those reputable sites will have moderators that will go through and they will, hopefully ensure that the content on those sites have been sanitized. Um, but there's not a hundred percent guarantee and I, I can't yeah. provide that guarantee either. And so, but if you have all your important data on an external drive yep, and, and you probably don't want that external drive plugged in all the time, right? No, you, you, you really don't um, as, as a, out of an abundance of caution, you probably shouldn't. And, and so if everything goes south, you know, the, um, the nuclear option, if you will, is to do a factory reset on your machine and you still have all your files on the external drive. So we're going to divide up the user base who's listening to this podcast in, um, in percentages of 30%, 33%, right? So okay. the first 33% of people will have no idea what that means. And so take it to a local big box store, or if you have an IT professional in the family, <laughs> um, go, go that oh, route. Oh, they're going to hate us. Uh, you know what? I get it all the time. <laughs> so let them deal with it. Uh, go to that person. Um, or if you feel comfortable going to them with it. Um, if not, go to a big box store bring your hard drive, they will do the factory reset for you. And, you know, what it means today, we're talking about a laptop that's been bought within the last three years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're going to go and hit a key combination. They're going to go into the chip of the computer, whether it be a Windows-based computer or a Mac-based computer. We're talking generally, right? Don't don't yep. Don't kill me here, guys, right? Generally. <laughs> and they're going to be able to download... Um, Windows 11, Windows 10, or the new version of, or a current version of macOS, and they're going to be able to wipe everything clean. This is a clean slate. We're we're really going back to the foundation, or what we're calling the hard drive partition, wiping everything out and installing a new, fresh version of software. And, you know, there is some scary stuff out there that can go into those partitions and infect those partitions. This is mm-hmm. why we wipe those things out and completely do a, a factory reset of the device. We're going to load Windows on there for you. We're going to load the Mac OS on there for you, whether it be the big box stores or the IT professional in your your 
your uh, your your family. And then what you're going to do is you're going to log back in with your Microsoft credentials and you're going to log back in with your your Apple credentials. And how are you going to be able to do that? Because you've adopted a password software um, solution and it's on your phone. So you can go in there and you can remember all those passwords Mm -hmm. and then you get your windows back up. You download your password software and all 50 of your passwords, all 100 of your passwords will reappear magically from the cloud. And that virus will be gone for Mac users or for windows users for Mac users. You can use time machine and restore Um, with, you know, um, with windows users, you can use again, one of 50 different commercial softwares that are out there and you can restore to your computer and everything's good. You know, no one's saying you have to buy the commercial software though, too. If, if you're one of those people who just saves everything in my documents folder, right. Mm -hmm. You know, just copy that my documents folder every night or every, every weekend to your, your computer. Uh, and you can have it set up to automatically do that. You can have it set up automatically do it, not, not to your computer, but to your hard drive. And to you can just do drive, it that yeah. way. I'm not advocating that you got to go spend 50 bucks a year on software. You can go the poor man's approach, but at least you've got backups. And at least you've done the due diligence. And you've got peace of mind going on there. And if you want to turn lemonade when you got lemons, it is a good excuse as any to tell your spouse that you have to get a new machine. Absolutely. Go for that new Mac. Go for that new HP computer that you've been, you know. Or, you know Honey, like... this, 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 this thing's all bolloed up. There's, oh, I, I don't trust it anymore. Let, let's just be honest. If you're a Windows person, you're going for Alienware. <laughs> it is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, you know, one of the things that uh, you should take into consideration is Windows 11 today actually has tools that will do backups for you. And 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 it that's mm-hmm. that's something that's inherent in Mac OS too. They've got backup tools. So this is a free thing that no one takes advantage of. And, you know, a hard drive, you know, what, like a four gig external hard drive, Seagate, or whatever brand you want to buy, go to Amazon. Go to it's Costco. Yeah, it's 125 bucks. <laughs> Sometimes it's yeah. eighty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the malware software, you know, um, uh, all the big ones out there are gonna, you know, do their job. Um, and you know, if ESET, you know, or malware bytes, or you know, you you take your pick, and they're gonna go and quarantine. They're gonna warn you that you got malware. They're gonna quarantine it, and they're gonna remove it off your computers, whether it be Mac, whether it be PC that will be good, you know? So those steps, mm-hmm. those steps that we talked about taking passwords, uh, and using a password management platform. That's a good, that's a good decision. Getting malware virus scanning. That's a great decision. Making sure you have backups and making sure you patch your computers. Um, that's good. And then, you know, that hygiene part, right? Going to websites that you shouldn't go to, right? We should probably also talk about connecting the networks you shouldn't probably connect to. You know, if you're going to a local coffee house and they don't have encryption on their network, um, you know, don't go, don't, don't connect to their networks. You know, uh, tether with your phone to your your AT and T network versus connecting to the network. It depends on your data plan, but I would rather have you tether to your local yeah. phone and not use the local coffee house's internet. Um, you know, is it getting better? For sure. Um, small businesses are, are, 
you know, deploying technology. There are vendors out there that I know of that uh, are implementing better security, but you just don't know what kind of security is out there. And you don't know what kind of bad actors are lurking in those coffee houses. Are they, you know, are they looking for people who are connecting to the network that has weak security? How do you know if it has weak security? And, and you know, I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of that, but if you know uh, what to look for uh, when you connect to a wireless network, um, you know, you know, you, you should always be at least using WPA2, uh, Advanced Encryption Standard AES, yeah. right? Um, so, those, so like, those standards are, are, are out there for a reason, but even those aren't 100%. So someone with moderate, I'm not even going to say good, but someone with moderate skill could probably go to a five-bucks coffee house and see... <laughs> pretty much all the traffic that's flowing through that you know depending on the technology uh that's out there um large chains have aligned themselves with large vendors um you know so i i'm totally using this as an example i'm just going to pick the largest you know uh coffee chain out there so i'm not going to you know a starbucks may Mm -hmm. align themselves these days with something like a cisco Right. And, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're keen to this. They're not, you know, there's, there's, everyone's got liability. Everyone, you know, is looking at, you know, the dangers of these things, you know, everyone, you know, uh, you know, wants to make sure that everyone's protected. You know, you don't want a bad experience for a customer and to have, no, no. And, and in the world of social media, it only takes one or two bad, you know, instances. I went to this place and I got hacked and you should never go there again. They don't want that bad, <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't want that bad, uh, you know, advertising and, and, and bad word of mouth. So but, no, but, but there are restaurants I know for sure that, um, are like, you know what? I know I have to offer this. We're just going to put it out there <laughs> and, and do it as cheaply as possible. Yeah. And for those uh, of you who have no choice. And you have to connect over networks like that. I would recommend using a VPN. So yeah. you're gonna have a VPN client, virtual private network. Um, you're gonna. It, this could be a paid subscription. There are a couple of free services out there, but again, you get what you pay for. But if you pay for a VPN service, um, you can have a client or a piece of software that's on your Mac, on your PC, and you can build a tunnel that goes through the network you connect to, to a safe drop-off point on the internet. And that's what a VPN does. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, So this is always an issue, but during times like this, um, even more so. Even more so. Um, And I will just say this. There There is, for the... The Uber techies out there who want to make sure that if you lose a computer and you don't want your data to wind up in the wrong hands, um, you many operating systems today, like a Mac, like uh, like a Mac OS, right, or like Windows 11 or Windows 10, even, um, you know, uh, with Monterey and a, a couple of versions earlier on the Mac side, you can actually do a full disk encryption of your uh, your laptop and. It, it used to be that disk drives, you know, they spun, they were slow, they were 7,200 RPMs, they were 50, 5,400 RPMs, and mm-hmm. they were they were slower devices in the laptops. Now that 
Windows computers and Macs, they have solid state drives. These are fast accessing disk drives. And so being able to do a full disk drive encryption um, actually uh, is, is a viable option where it wouldn't really slow down the computer that much. And so because because our, our drives are fast now or are faster, uh, we're saving yeah. everything on solid state. So if your computer were to get stolen or were to get lost and some really good tech, techie guy or techie gal, not going to exclude the other 50% of the population, um, were to somehow get your get their hands on your computer, a bad actor, and they wanted to get on that computer and steal all of your financial information that was saved on there, it would be harder or almost, in, I wouldn't say impossible, but very hard for them to fully decrypt an encrypted disk uh, if it's done through Mac OS or it's done through Windows 11. So that's really, you know, that, that kind of really goes to the next step. But, you know, that's fully supported by operating system uh, operating systems today. Microsoft kind of uh, allows you to do that. Uh, Apple definitely allows you to do that. You can buy software if you want higher level encryption. Um, but just know if you forget that password, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, then you're going to be locked out as well. There's always pros and cons to everything. Yeah, and there's no one to pay to get that back. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's uh, that 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 you'd be hard pressed. It wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. But you, if you have that saved on your disk drive, your backup, um, you you might be good there. Yeah. Wow. All right, Tim. Thank you. Sure. Sure. This was uh, a lot to think about here. And some common sense approaches that um, I think can save us all a lot of headaches. Yeah. And that's really what it boils down to for the end user. You know, I mean, you know, just just make it easier on yourself. I mean, if you uh, I have some friends who say, "Eh, I don't want to spend that much money on a hard drive. But Mm -hmm. if you look at the pain that's going to save you from down the road, it doesn't even need to be a hard drive. It could even be a flash drive. Right. Yeah, because those hold so much these days. Absolutely, you can get multi terabyte uh, uh, or, or hundreds of gigabytes, two terabytes storage of of thumb drives, four terabyte storage of thumb drives, and they're they're relatively inexpensive. Wow. I hope I didn't depress everybody. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. You know what? Uh, to be forewarned, just you know, is, is the power. So right. at least hopefully if it saves someone some heartache here, because man, just one of those, you get hit once and you don't trust anymore. You know, you don't, um, you, you're afraid to go online or you spend weeks trying to get all your stuff back or you can't get it back the way you wanted to, or, what have you. And it's um, maybe a little bit of nervousness now mm-hmm. saves you from pain later on. Yeah. You know, and what's, what's, um, what's really uh, evident once you start going to the cybersecurity space of information technology is sure. Absolutely. This is a technology field. But this is the largest, um, in my opinion, the largest aspect of a technology field 
that could be really changed by human engineering. If you could just change the mindset of the C-suite in a large company to buy the tools and to protect the networks, all those dangers go away. Um, if you could change the attitude of the end user when they're going through Microsoft Outlook or whatever software they use to read their email in the mornings, mostly Outlook, let's just be honest, right? Um, yeah. Don't go clicky, clicky, clicky. Don't do that. There's no reason for <laughs> clicky, clicky, clicky. Um, right. Don't assume all the bad stuff is going to go into the spam folder. Don't assume anything, um, and and you'll be you'll be good. You know, you'll be. Uh, education goes a long way, and that's why we're starting to see a lot of companies do cybersecurity training within their organizations. It's not really meant to pick on employees, although employees will look at it that way. Um, it's really meant to change the human condition so you'll be more aware of what not to click on when something comes into the inbox. Yeah, and I know a lot of companies actually um, send test phishing emails they to do. their employees to yes. see if they can get them. Absolutely. And, and and then what will happen is they'll reinforce that bad um, activity with training. It's not meant to mm -hmm. get anybody in trouble. It's not, you know, again, and, and you know, this is, this is something that I want to really stress. This is not meant to point at Jane, Joe, or Jack and say, bad Jane, Joe, or Jack. You know, I mean, that's not what this is about. This is about training and reinforcement to make sure that um, those bad actors can't get into the network. Think about it this way. Um, as a network administrator, you have the task of protecting, or at least a security network administrator, you have the task to protect your network from all the bad stuff that comes into or people trying to communicate with uh, your network on a daily basis. Um, you know, and, you know, the statistics are staggering because the statistics point to you know, one in 3,000 emails that pass through filters contain malware. That's a threat it's... vector. Jeez. Yeah. Um, and when it's it's stuff like that, you know, um, again, we go back to that really scary uh, number where 25% of all web traffic is made up of bad bot traffic, bad, bad, um, bad actors. 25% of web traffic. That's... Um, yeah, so... We did a test. We, we threw a Windows computer, uh, and I'm not just picking on Windows, but it just happened to be Windows, whatever. Right. That, we, that's, that's the most, pre that's most uh, prevalent out there. Yeah. So, yeah, and it is. You know, you're 70% you're of the market. You know what? You're going to, you're, people are going to write malware to the 70 percentile. Yeah. Um, Makes and, sense. Yeah, I would. Yeah. And then this is, this is, this is not a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, in nothing derogatory to our friends in Redmond, Washington, Microsoft's got a great security team, but you know, they throw, they, you, you throw a computer out into the wild, not in front of, and I don't care if it's a Mac or a windows, but we did it to a windows computer and we put it out there with a public IP address, uh, you know, behind no firewalls. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to say that it got hacked probably within two days. Wow. Actually, I got hacked a lot quicker than that, but I don't want to be, Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to. We had done that years ago at a company I was at, and I think it was within like four hours. Yeah. You know, and 
And and and what we did was, to be fair, we fully patched it. Right, we fully did a security patch on okay. it. Okay, yeah. it was a new operating system, you know, and and we deployed the security tools that you know you're supposed to deploy, you know, in corporate environment minus fire protection. We didn't do that. We really wanted to see what would happen, and sure. you know, we we were we were inside 24 hours. Let's put it that way. So, as a secure professional, you have to protect your network from all these threats. And so, you know, give your security, give your IT staff, you know, the, uh, you know, a little, you know, props, the thumbs up, you know, think about that. And give them a, and, and give them a fighting chance. Give them a fighting chance. Think about that when you go through your cybersecurity, you know, uh, testing and all that stuff. You know, uh, really, they're doing it uh, to protect the network. They're doing it to save the company money um, because in the long run... You know, that spend is going to save the company mm. from having to deal with remediation and ransomware. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, um, that that organization can reinvest that money in, you know, um, 401k, um, you know, uh, employee benefits, those types of things, which would sadly... A lot of that is being, you know, drawn out of the organizations because they have to deal with cyber liability insurance, dealing with ransomware attacks, hiring really high paid professionals or managed services companies to step in and help out. Um, There's a lot of cost to doing business these days, especially if you're a larger organization. And it's just going to get it's just going to become bigger part of the budget. Well, yep. And again, and, you know, um, I can't emphasize it anymore. You know, um, because of what's going on, the weaponizing of malware, the weaponizing of toolkits, and us seeing that being released into the wild, um, you know, bringing this conversation all the way around, um, it, it's it's a scary thing out there. Yeah. Well, thank you, my friend. No problem. This was. Um, I, I know I learned a ton, um, and I. I think we brought it down to a point where, you know, most people, um, hopefully, you know, there's risk, right? And there's some stuff you can do. And if, uh, if you do get pinched, if you have a backup, then most of your stuff should be there and you just got to reset stuff. It's going to be a pain in the ass, but it's better than losing all your stuff. Yeah, and I, I will throw this out there as a disclaimer. If any of my family members are listening to this, um, you're on your own. I'm not helping you. <laughs> but but if any listeners need IT help, Tim will be more than happy. <laughs> and the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is they've all they've all gotten you know let's say forty five years of free technical support. Now I, I'm on I'm on retirement. There we go. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, let me know how that works out because I've not gonna never work seen out. any, never My... seen anyone be able to retire from that. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Good try, though. Good try. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for sticking with us, and uh, until next time.